Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. What's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, hanging out. Having a phenomenal week this week. Just got back with some travel and I am sitting down and I came in late, late last night, still on West Coast time, back to the East Coast, but I'm here for you. I'm here for you as I always am. And as usual, I have a stellar, stellar guest, phenomenal interview with a young man who's just quite frankly crushing it out here in the world. My interview this week is with Nicholas Bayerly. And you may have heard Nicholas's name if you uh, spend any time on Instagram, he's all over the place. He is the CEO of the Billion Dollar Body. He runs the Billion Dollar Body podcast. And he has this incredible, incredible course for men called the Billion Dollar Body Live. We're going to get into some of that stuff. Um, He helps men reach their ultimate state of health, power, and confidence. He's an international speaker, a coach. He was rated top 30 under 30 influencers. I wish I could do that. I can't anymore. I can't be 30 under 30. Maybe I'll be 40 under 40 for the next few months. We'll see how it goes. He's also coached some of the top male CEOs. He's passionate about seeing men prosper in health, business, relationships. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on is, uh, you know, we have a strong, holistic viewpoint of life here. It's not about money, but it is. It's not about health, but it is. It's not about relationships, but it is. All those are so important. So you can catch him on the Billion Dollar Body podcast, uh, Billion Dollar Lives we talked about. And he has also a community called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood. He has shared the stage with some of the biggest names out there like Lewis Howes, Cole Hatter, Jordan Harbinger, uh, and so many more. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Nicholas? Hey, Matt. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. And yeah, dude, having a place like this is how my life was transformed. My life wasn't the way that you just read it off the piece of paper, which I'm sure we'll go into. Like, ah, oh, that's 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 such a cool story. And it's even weird just thinking about it because just a few years ago, I was 60 pounds overweight, just like you said. It's not about health, but it is. And the reason why is because us as men or or women, we physically can't outsource those parts of our life, right? We can't outsource the vision in our business. We can't outsource the fork going into our mouth. We can't outsource our body moving. It'd be pretty cool. There's that meme of like that guy that's sitting on a chair and his feet are just like going under the treadmill and he's walking on the treadmill while he's sitting down on a chair. Like there's really is no way to outsource those areas of our life. And if we can't, we might as well get really good at him. And the way we do that is by empowering ourselves in those situations. So Matt, I appreciate you empowering the people here to be able to have a breakthrough that took me years and years and years and a decade to figure out. Well, let's get, let's get into it. Cause yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. When you said that, I'm imagining um, trying to ask an assistant to go run the treadmill for you where you sit on the couch and drink uh, beer and eat Cheetos. It doesn't quite work. So you, how old were you when you made that, that first major shift on, on your health? You just said you were 60 pounds overweight a few years ago. How old were you when you changed? Yeah. So the first time I started gaining weight, I've always been self-conscious about my weight, though. The first time I started gaining weight was around 13 and I gained weight until I was about 18 years old. And the reason why that was, was that I just, I was completely depressed. I was down and out. I didn't have any vision or they they say without vision, a man perishes. And I feel that in America, it's a little bit different because we don't have as crazy, you know, this isn't like a, you know, back in the day with like the Holocaust, they would talk about that people would live in concentration camps, living off nothing because of their hope that they had a vision that they had of the future of seeing their family. And as soon as they would see their family pass away, 
that, or someone would give a report that someone, a loved one had died, they would in, get sick and die within three days. This happened over and over again. And inside of America, I feel like people die when they're about 20 years old, but because the environment isn't bad, we stay alive, but we have no vision and nothing to live for. And that's what I was like at 13. So 18 years old, some kid transformed my mindset in one sentence and caused me to go out there and lose 60 pounds in six months. And that, and that was in, in, in just before we went, uh, we started recording, you were talking about having a spiritual encounter. Is that the same encounter you're talking about? 18 years old, meeting God. No, I wish it was. No, oh, I different, had different sense. feeling of like, man, I was 60 pounds overweight. I was going to school. I was wearing a sweatshirt every single day. We all have these thoughts of like not feeling comfortable about ourselves. But the problem with self-consciousness is if you really look at the word, it means just being conscious of yourself only. And that doesn't allow us to serve others. So my goal is always to drop any type of self-consciousness that I have so that I can actually be conscious of others and be other conscious rather than self-conscious. So I came to school. And this kid whipped out this bag of fruit. And if anyone's been to high school before, like you don't eat fruit at high school. You eat uh, orange chicken and rice. You eat big, huge cinnamon rolls that are the size of your face. Pizza you have hot bagels, chocolate or chocolate milk, depending bagels. on the year. And that's what you have. And this kid ba- pulled out a bag of fruit. And I was like, dude, why did you do that? And he's like, I have a trainer, a boxing coach that's putting me on this meal plan so I can have high performance in my fights, but also weigh in at the correct weight. And all of a sudden, I just saw this connection between oh my gosh, I could have a bigger purpose than just like trying to look good. This is going to help me perform at a higher level. And everyone listening to a podcast is a high performer. Anyone born is a high performer. You had a one in a 400 trillion chance of being born. You had to be a fighter to be born. So everyone's a fighter. And all of a sudden I was like, boom, had that transformation. Six months later, I had a six pack, but no purpose. And I was like, man, I thought this was going to help me like find purpose with life. Yet I still didn't have anything to live for. I just had a fit body. And that's when I really started going out there and searching spiritually, like what is, there has to be a bigger world out there. And if there is, I'm going to go find it. So I tried dabbling in everything possible until I found the source of true spirituality. Dude, that's incredible. So source, talk to me about that. So this is really random, but I want to hear it because I know we we both have a pretty strong faith background and, uh, and it's a massive part of a, a part of our lives, but, um, how did that transform for you, especially at, at this time? Because you know you've been. Well, you know what? Let, let me pause on that for a second. Come right back to it. You've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I always ask people, like, did you grow up that way, or did you flip a switch later in life? I know you started your first business at age twelve, mowing lawns. You even had two employees. Um, did you stay an entrepreneur kind of all through school and all through high school, or was that something you did early on and then came back to it later? Yeah, it was definitely something that it was just who I was. So I never looked at it as something that I wanted to be. I just did it enough to get by and I never wanted to have a job. So even at 17, 18, 19 years old, I never thought about going and getting hired. I just thought about the different creative ways that I can make money. But I never truly went all in as an entrepreneur until I got married because I didn't have responsibilities until I got married. And then it's just deepened as I've seen that this is my purpose, that this is my calling. I just, every year, I feel like I go deeper into taking on that identity because it's not something that I wanted to be. It's something that I truly am, though I just never looked at it that way because it's just like no one ever talked about it back in the day. Well, what were your parents like growing up? Were you with mom, dad, one or the other? Were they, um, you know, factory worker, professional, entrepreneur? Yeah. So my mom was a hard worker, but my mom dropped me off in daycare from zero to two because she went to college. And then from two to four, I was in daycare as well, which was preschool. And my dad was always a business owner. And so was my uncle. 
And they ran really successful companies together in the brick and mortar space along with apparel. And it, that went very well for them until 2008. So I got to see my dad teach me that if he had a, a lawnmower and a weed whacker, then he would never go poor. He always said like, if I lose my business, all I have to do is go exchange value for dollars and there's grass everywhere. So, and so in my mind, I had this like switch from the beginning that it was, there was not hard to create money. Now to create a brand and create a legacy is a little bit different, but to just go make money was never something that was very difficult. You can always find an opportunity anywhere you look. And I love that. I think there's so many people too, um, even coming to seminars sometimes, you know, that'll talk about that there's no opportunity or like, well, I don't have any money. I haven't, I talked to someone a few weeks ago. So I haven't had, you know, I haven't had any income coming in for a year and a half. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to manifest. I'm looking for the right thing. I'm like, you know what you need to look for is in and out. You need to look for Ace Hardware. You got to look for a lawnmower, do something to get moving. And when you get moving, then some, you know, then you begin to, you know, the world starts conspiring with you. And what's your take? Are, are you, are you action first and then figure out the vision or is it really important <laughs> to, to a fault, stop? man, like <laughs> to a fault on um, action first. There's obviously a time where you have to take action and your action taking should be, where's the biggest pile of cash, which is what my mentor, Russell Brunson says, like inside of your business, where's the biggest pile of cash? And at first you need to grab that so that you can actually run a business. And then you could start planning for the long-term cash flow, t- plan for long-term things. So for me, the most I'd ever made by the age of about 22, 23 was $19,000 in a year. That's nothing to be happy about, nothing to be excited about. And I decided that year that I wanted to make $100,000 in a year. And so what I did is I made my goal statement with Think and Grow Rich. And every day I told myself, if I don't make $285 in a day, I have to work until 10 p.m. But I didn't just work on carpet cleaning and all the things I was doing then. I was selling things out of other people's offices for a 50-50 split. I was selling things out of my house. I was taking things out of dumpsters. I was looking for opportunity and I wasn't married to the process. Most people only want to make money the way they want to make it. So truly, they just want to do whatever they want to do. They don't want to make money and they don't want to hit a goal. Because if you wanted to hit a goal, you would do whatever it takes to be able to actually make that dream a reality. But until you open your mind to it, you'll never see opportunity. So when I saw opportunity, I made exactly $100,000 that year. And I only made $21,000 from the actual job. So first off, congratulations. I think that's awesome. The power of and what you just described to me, Nicholas, was the power of sacrifice to hit a goal. You were willing to say, you know, I could enjoy my evening, but instead I'm going to sacrifice it. I'll give this up to work harder because I committed to something. So number one, that's a principle and a character trait that to me, few people have and the people that do tend to succeed. My question though is, what do you say to the flip side of that argument? So if, if I'm if I'm a new entrepreneur or maybe, you know, I, I've been going to workshops, I'm a coach, I, you know, I, I'm figuring out my life's purpose, right? The flip side argument is, you know what? I'm not willing to do that anymore. It's not about the money. I don't need to make a hundred grand. What I need to do is do my life's purpose. So I'm not willing to work to the wee hours, just making money. I'd rather just plan and, and manifest and, and maybe work hard, but I, I'm only willing to work hard on, the, on my dreams and on my vision whether or not I make money, what you see the other side of that, what's your take on how do you approach that if that's your heart? Yeah, the first thing I would ask them is what outcome do you want to create? The three-step system that I always use with with all the men that I work with, because I'd be fine with that. I'd go, cool, then why are we talking? Why don't you just go do that? It sounds like you're pretty clear on what you want. Ultimately, I would ask them, what do you want? What life do you want? What outcome are you trying to produce? And then I would ask them, why do you want to produce that outcome? 
And if they don't have a big enough why, I would keep drilling down until their what and their why is very much so in line. There's a lot of people out there that if I asked them, I got interviewed two days ago and they said, Nicholas, you're living a life that most people would want to live. And I'm like, okay, what, what does that have to do with anything? Everyone wants to be LeBron James as well. But if, if I asked you, hey, do you want the skills of LeBron James? Everyone would say, well, yeah. And I would say, why? And then they'd be like, well, it'd be so cool. Like I'd be tall and, you know, I'd have all these sponsorships. I'd make all this money. And I'd say, great. The how, the way that you get there, because it's what, why, how, how is you're going to play basketball 16 hours a day for the next 12 years and possibly be mentioned, maybe have a chance of being able to even be a professional base or basketball player. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just want the millions of Instagram followers. Hang on a second. Exactly. So ultimately (laughs) what, why, and how is needed to line up until they actually, you get real with yourself. I do this with fitness as well. If you want to be a bodybuilder and super fit, but you also want to be a billionaire and build a huge business and you want to have a great family. Yeah. What the heck, man? What the heck? What am I supposed to do? Purpose of all of this. So you want to drill down what, why, how, have them be in line so that you're not like in this fake illusion of faith and belief and all of this stuff. Like, if you want to be great, it's going to take effort and work. Uh, when you want to play golf, you go and grind at the driving range. That's what you do if you want to be great. And if you don't want to be great, then awesome. Just make sure that you're living your life and not living the life that everyone else wants you to live. Wow. Wow. So even like, like the idea of being great, you know, to me, like if you just said, you know what, I want to spend time with my family. I want to be a phenomenal dad. And I like to have enough money to get by. And I don't want to create some big empire and this and that and the other thing. I'm just happy if I'm healthy and I'm a great dad and, and we do okay. Like that's a great life. Because what you're saying is it's about your outcome, your vision, not about, you know, I think so. it's easy to compare like our real life to someone else's Instagram life, you know, our whole movie to their highlight reel. And you can't look at your whole life compared to what someone else shows you or what they claim to be. Like, it's always going to feel like we have to do more. Um, so just, you know, having enough, being enough where you are is a great place to start. I think, I'm sure you probably agree with um, having to realize you're worthy already before you start. But if you already are worthy and you already are worth enough, then why the heck not start hitting that beautiful grind and start hustling and start working and start getting something done? Um, for you, when you started really working with, with men, you started doing this on, on a higher level. What were some of the other, you know, what were some of the other like startups, companies, side hustles? Like what, what else were you getting going? You mentioned Russell Brunson uh, from ClickFunnels, of course. And I know you've been doing a ton of work. You got an award from ClickFunnels. Um, what were some of the other things you've done before you were doing Billion Dollar Body? Yeah, that's a great question. So I got into network marketing. It's my very first thing. I was selling protein powder. We called it white powder out of the back of our trunk. <laughs> and I was selling protein powder. Why? Because I didn't know at the time that you could actually not have, be an expert and still make money. I knew that the only thing that I had done was lose 60 pounds, keep it off and get really fit. And I knew I could help other people do the same. And I went with businessmen specifically because that's who I was. And if I had to talk to people all day, I thought I might as well like them. And so <laughs> legitimately, that was like the main reason. So I went out there and I was selling protein powder, network marketing, and we did well and it provided for our whole first year of marriage, but that whole entire company tanked. And I saw at that point that I ha- that was opportunity. 
that company was growing quickly. So whether you were smart, dumb, talented or not, you were making money in that company until the company tanked. And that's when I found out that, wow, skill set and that what's in between my two ears and the network that I had was actually way more important than the opportunity that I was in. Yet I still struggled for years after that. I cleaned carpets for two and a half years. And that was for my dad's company. And that was one of the most terrible, like that was the, one of the toughest things I've ever done. I'm so grateful for it because I was making about $5 an hour for the two and a half years. If you look at the actual paycheck that I was getting. Right, right. I think my, my first couple of years coaching, man. I made about $3 an hour, give or take. <laughs> you start to realize, man, you better love this thing. Hey, you mentioned network marketing. And, and how you've done that for a while. To hit success in network marketing or multi-level marketing or whatever the heck you want to call it, the affiliate marketing, it's, there's a certain like a mindset and a certain work ethic and a certain type of person that has to make that work. Do you have any, I don't know, quick advice for anyone listening who's in the network marketing world or business or wants to make that work? Um, any advice on what to do, what not to do, where to start? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the first thing that I would do is I would follow what the company says because you want to make sure that you're teaching people below you how to do something that's duplicatable. We used to always say, press play on the TV and press play on the blender, right? To make it so dumb and so simple that we take people through a process that's duplicatable. Uh, the other thing that I would definitely do as well is I'd make sure to connect with the leaders inside of your company because they want to actually make you successful. The big thing though that I see with promotion is that there's lots of new school ways for you to actually lead by example and get lots of new clients. And the old school way doesn't really work anymore. So the thing that I would do for sure is to focus in on how you can use new school tactics that people like Matt are using to be able to come across as genuine because this is a market that everyone is like making fun of and a lot of people are ashamed of actually selling. And the best way to curve that is to actually learn how to tell your story and point people to a product at the end of the story and to be a broker of people's success. So if Matt were to come to me and he'd say, man, I really want to lose weight. I saw you lost weight. I would say, cool, man, what is your goal? What are you trying to do? And I won't just bash every company out there and say that mine's better. Because if you say it, you could be wrong. And the customer might be like, oh, I don't believe you, but you seem confident rather than allowing them to choose that you are the best. And this is one of the biggest things I see in network marketing right now is people just bash every other company and act like theirs is the best. It's the end all be all. But you acting like that, no one else believes that. So it doesn't come across as authentic. But if you can actually take people's concerns, what they want out of life and show them how your product can actually help support that. Now it's their decision that they're like, I want that because I believe that'll work for me. Do you go product first or business opportunity, quote unquote, first? Oh, always product first. If you're business opportunity first, then don't talk to me. And see, like, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I've done a, two different network marketing companies uh, in my entrepreneurship journey, one in financial services, and then the classic Quickstar Amway. I was all about, because I was getting really healthy and everything and getting into the supplement side and thought, I'll bring that in. But the biggest thing was like, man, if the product itself, if you don't love it, if you don't use it, if they don't actually need it, what's the point of going to that next space in the first place? And then you come off like this person who says, oh, ground floor opportunity is going to be amazing and all this money. And and instantly, like people are switching off. So if it's really real, you know, start with a result that they actually that you care about what they want. I love that. I think it's super important. So talk to me about then. You know, as you get into, um, I mentioned Russell Brunson. You mentioned him. 
Um, how did you get involved with ClickFunnels? Was that something that you just started using with Billion Dollar Body, or were you did you experiment with other funnels before you kind of hit the hit? Um, and, and I guess better question is how deep are you in the whole funnel world? I mean, to get an award from ClickFunnels, you're probably using it, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just spoke at this last year's live event. I do use ClickFunnels and also I'm in Russell Brunson's inner circle, which is limited to 100 people at $50,000 a year. And so I'm, I'm as deep as you can get into ClickFunnels right now when it comes to actual like investments, though it didn't start that way. I actually didn't trust Russell at all. So I never bought from him. I buy from people that I trust and I just didn't really feel like I trusted him back in the day. But it wasn't until 2016 my friends that we were in network marketing together back in 2012, they had gotten married and they went to their first ClickFunnels event. And at that event, they had invested in that $50,000 mastermind that he has. And they were like, listen, Nicholas, do everything that Russell says, buy everything that he has. And this was like what Russell's really good at is getting everyone to, to believe that and say that. So I went and bought ClickFunnels. And for everyone that's listening, a funnel is just a way to get people to do things, right? Like a website allows people to navigate through the store like a Walmart, whereas a funnel is like someone's looking for something very specific and you give them other things like Amazon. When you look at that protein powder you want, it's like other people also bought these things. And it's really specific and concise to people's problems. And I, I remember buying ClickFunnels but I didn't trust Russell. And so for years, I kind of flopped around with the idea and just kept talking to my friend. And he went from doing $400,000 in his business to doing $100,000 a month to a million dollars a month and now $4 million a month. And so just about two years ago, I actually finally took the change out of my pocket, invested it into Russell and have consistently done that. And it's been something that again, principle wise is who has the results that you want in life and how can you invest seed, which is money, and invest your attention, which is your heart, into the thing that they're doing and not being so stingy that you care more about the money in your pocket than the actual result in life that you want. It just shows me that your why isn't big enough and that you're holding on to money and that will never get you far. And so ultimately, I just keep investing in the areas that people have growth where I want to grow. And if I'm not growing and I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is working, I invest more there because I want that breakthrough. I'm hungry for it. You want the breakthrough. You know, the emotions you feel when you're in the middle of, of about to make a breakthrough. Do you, just curious, because I, I know you, you've trained and mentored with a ton of Navy SEALs and you have a lot of these, you know, like really, really high performance men in your group and your community. Do you feel like negative and positive emotions are useful to have? And I ask that because. I think a lot of times I, I find myself and people experiencing things like frustration, overwhelm, uh, and things like that. And, and instantly we think, oh, I, I, I want to get out of that. I have an eight-year-old boy, and if I see him feeling overwhelmed or frustrated, I want to stop it. You know, I want to interrupt that, but I need to hold back. And I look at him and think, you know, if you're getting frustrated right now, I want to let that play out because on the other side of frustration can be action and pushing and moving. What are some of your favorite emotions quote, positive or negative, however you want to see it, that, that you can utilize to drive you to do the things you do? I think one of my favorite things about any type of emotion is using it to get the result that I want, no matter what. I, I want to show the world and show myself that whether things are hard or easy, uh, really powerful or really stressful, like whatever it is, that I'm still going to respond the same way. Because ultimately, a thought becomes a feeling and like a feeling becomes an emotion, right? Like you have a, you have a thought first and that thought creates like a feeling and then the feeling creates a, like an emotion. 
or, or the opposite, a thought and then an emotion and then a feeling. And ultimately in that point, I'm like, okay, no matter what, whether it's something super difficult, really hard or not, I still can do the stuff that I'm supposed to do. And this is really what I learned from my Navy SEAL mentor was that he said, pressure doesn't create weakness, it only exposes it. So to this day, if let's wow. say it's having a fit or I'm having a fit, which we probably have fits the same amount of times. And I just always look at it as pressure exposes weakness. It only, it doesn't create it. Most people think that, man, this stress, this pressure, if I could just get it out of my life, everything would be better. No, you had that problem all along. It's just finally enough pressure was raised. Just like if you had a pipe and you were to increase pressure, it would burst only in the weakest point of the pipe. The whole pipe doesn't explode. It's the weakest point of the pipe that was already there, but there wasn't enough pressure to expose it. And the same thing happens in our life. The number one way to get over that is to have commitment. Most people make commitment to others, right? If I said, hey, we're getting on this podcast at 11, we both got on because we're like, man, I already told them I was going to do it. Yet, if we talk about going to the gym, oh, I'm going to go to the gym at 11. The majority of the times we don't do it or else everyone would be fit, which means that we're okay with letting ourselves down, but not others, which That's means really that other, other people can trust us, but we can't trust ourselves. So if, if I'm going to meet someone else at the gym, and I've said this for years and I know other people do, if I'm going to meet someone at the gym, oh God, I finally, I got to get up and go because they're going to be waiting for me. But if they're not waiting for me, if I'm the only, only one waiting for me, all of a sudden I can let myself down. What a profound realization. So how do I, because we're coming to the twilight of our time together. So just a couple quick questions. Um, super fast. How do I instill that commitment just for myself? Because I love the idea of being accountable to others. But I want to be accountable to me. Um, where do I start with that? Or what's your your process your vision in this? So two things right now that people can do is one, make small commitments and follow through on them. The amount of water that you want to drink today, start small. It doesn't have to be like this grand old commitment. Be like, I'm going to drink 10 ounces of water today and then blast past 10 ounces in 30 seconds and you're fine. And create those small little commitments that you make to yourself and actually follow through on them and stop making such big commitments. Now for the commitments that you already have that you keep blowing off and I can't tell you how many times I see men do this and I'm just like, oh, like if you make a decision and you commit to something, follow through on it and then decide after that you're not going to make that decision. So if you leave here and you're like 10 ounces of water, I'm going to drink 300 ounces of water today and it's 10 o'clock at night and you've only drank 100 ounces. I expect you to drink 200 ounces that night, pee all night, and then tomorrow make a different decision. Most men, they make a decision before they finish things. No, you should feel the repercussion of the commitments that you make and then decide if you want to do that again. So if you tell yourself you're going to run five miles, walk the rest of the three miles, get the five miles done, and then be like, man, next time I don't want to make that type of commitment. And that way that you learn how to make true commitments and continue to follow through. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And when you say yes, you're going to do something, you follow through on your word no matter what. And if it's painful enough, you realize maybe I jumped too soon. Maybe that was too much. Dude, this is awesome. I wish we could keep going. We should do a part two, a part three, a part 20. Um, Nicholas, where can we find out more about Billion Dollar Body uh, Live? You have your Billion Dollar Body book. There's a bunch of stuff. Uh, plug away. Tell me where we can find that because uh, this is you got some good, good stuff uh, to continue with. 
Yeah, there was some big mindset shifts that I believe are so simple for other people when I was 60 pounds overweight, uh, when I was broke for three years in business, and then obviously now being able to speak on stages with people like Tony Robbins, all these crazy people, there's really distinct changes that I actually mentioned in moderndaybusinessman.com, which is a book that I'm just releasing. And it really goes in depth. So that'd be a great place to connect. And then also Instagram, Nicholas Barely. I would love to be able to connect there. And that way we can like exchange messages. You know, if you tell me, tell me you came from Matt, I can't wait to have a conversation. Awesome. So guys, check us out. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Um, looking forward to building more and more of a friendship. I enjoy being on your show as well. Make sure you check out the Billion Dollar Body Podcast. Nicholas Bayerly. It's B-A-Y-E-R, Bayer, L-E, Bayerly. So check out the Billion Dollar Body Podcast, that phenomenal show. And if you go to bdblive.com, you can find out about the Billion Dollar Body Live event held in Southern California. Happens uh, multiple times throughout the year. Uh, you can get access to his book there as well. So much great stuff in store for this young man and in store for you when you connect with him. Nicholas, thanks for coming on the show. I sure appreciate it, brother. And we'll do it again soon. Thanks, man. All right, guys, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. If you're listening to this in the car somewhere on the FM AM dial, I know you're listening to this right now. Make sure you head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, because you can get the on-demand podcast version of this right here, right now, on the device that you're choosing, free twice a week, every single week. It comes right to you without having to think about it. So subscribe. And then if you love the show, rate and review. It helps us a ton to get the word out more. As usual, get out there and crush it this week. Do something great. I'll see you in a few days. 